everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we are thrilled to welcome a first-time guest. Tell the folks who you are, guest. I'm Kevin T. Porter, and I'm an unofficial Muppet enthusiast and uh, stand. I, I like the idea that there's such a thing as an official <laughs> Muppet enthusiast. Well, I mean, you guys are kind of positioning yourselves as official Muppet enthusiasts, so I wouldn't want to uh, to uh, encroach on y'all's territory in that sense. I'm just an amateur over here. Well, fair enough. Uh, but, you know, it's the Muppets, man. We're all family. Yeah, everyone yeah, who's enthusiastic is an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And we are so excited to have Kevin here to talk about minutes 65 and 66 of The Great Muppet Caper. In these minutes, Piggy walks away from Nikki Holiday and Kermit and Fozzie see a fashion show. So we start here with the very ending of the scene with uh, Miss Piggy and Nikki Holiday. Nikki finishes his passionate plea to Piggy with a warning that I can't be responsible for what might happen. Uh-oh. <laughs> he's, he's such a sleazeball, man. Like he's Grodin is a little grody. And he's a little he's a little grody, yeah. But here's something I hadn't really thought about before. If Piggy had returned his advances, do you think Nikki would have called off the plan to frame her for the robbery? Hmm. Now it's these sort of what ifs we could spend hours upon, gentlemen. And we do. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> Maybe he would have just looked for another plan or another way to to get away with this if, if Piggy had been like, okay, sure, I'll go on a date with you. Well, I wonder if he wouldn't have, you know, because Kermit just walked up right up to them. Right. Right before. I wonder if he wouldn't have, like, switched the plan over to Kermit. Make that guy, whoever that guy is, yeah. the Patsy. Yeah, sure. You know? That makes sense. Although I do like the idea of Kermit becoming a model in this fashion show. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for it. I feel like we don't sexualize Kermit enough. Obviously, we've we've had our fair share of uh, celebrating Miss Piggy's sexuality, but Kermit, I don't know if he, if, if he's gotten a fair shake in the memeverse and whatnot. You sure, know, he's ju- he's just sipping tea and being sarcastic. Right? Well, recently there was a, a picture. I don't. I think it was either on the Muppets official Twitter or the uh, Kermit the Frog official Twitter, and it was just like Kermit in a like fashionable outfit. I think a photo shoot from the nineties, and it got so many. Uh, replies that were like, Kermit's looking so hot, Kermit's on fire, like, I never thought I would be thirsty for Kermit. So there, there is that audience out there for sexy Kermit. Oh, yeah, in that suit. Yeah, that was a nice, that was a nice wholesome meme. That yeah, happened a couple well, weeks ago. Well, and do you guys remember the Amphibia cologne from the 90s? Oh, yeah. That ad? The, no. Uh, yeah, that the ad for Amphibia is super sexy. It's like Kermit laying on a beach with a six-pack, and he has like a little towel over his crotch. I'm not kidding. I'm not. Oh this is a real uh, licensed. Did you look it up? This is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. I remember seeing that in Disney Adventures magazine, oh by the way, in 1995 or the whatever. The abs year. are the weirdest part of that, I think. The, yeah. Why does, why does he have abs? Yeah. Like, why did he yeah, grow I abs? I, would not, I don't want any of my Muppets to be jacked in any way. So it's just as well that that Piggy rejected Nikki here, or or else that's where we would have ended up. Exactly the amphibia ad. So then the next thing that happens is that Piggy says, "Well, uh, c'est la vie," which uh, is French, of course, for translates literally to "that's life." But this is one of the f- few times we've ever heard Piggy speak French, and it's not a joke, right? Like 
usually she slightly misuses it or like the joke is that she doesn't actually understand French or something. Most of the time it's just moi and vous. Yeah, is right. that is, is are we going to have the cultural appropriation conversation about Miss Piggy's uh, relationship to the French language now or later? When is that? Happen? We can let's do it now. Let's go for it. Let's throw okay. it out. Are, can we cancel Miss Piggy over her, you know, sort of uh, tokenism of French culture? <laughs> are any of the Muppets cancelable? Because I, I have, I have a theory that one of them is, which may we'll get what? into uh, later on in this episode. And it's some it's someone who appears in this movie. It's not Pepe the King Prawn, who like who should have been canceled twenty years ago. Well, Pepe, I mean creep. Pepe. Maybe it could be a mass cancellation, but I was thinking more Gonzo. Oh yeah, oh, we're gonna t- we, we are we are gonna get into that later in this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, I, we've talked about this before, but Animal uh, has some behaviors that are cancelable for sure. Sure, addictive even. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I do think that Piggy just kind of casually speaking French here is another sign that this movie has a more like down to earth Piggy. Hmm. Like she's just a person. She's like, I think like there are so many things that we talk about, like Piggy being sexy, Piggy casually speaking French here. um, Her actual love for Kermit. All of those things are kind of like the butt of jokes on the Muppet show. And here they're just part of her actual, very appealing personality. Yeah, and see, I think I respond to this character best when they don't, uh, I think there is like a correct term for this in like pop culture discourse, but maybe it's a, it's like a Homerize Miss Piggy, but like essential, no, this Flanderized is, is what Flanderized is, is the idea mm. where, where it's not just like the most eccentric things about her, the only things about her, because Miss Piggy may be like, one of my top 10 characters of any medium ever. I love her so much. And this, this movie represents my favorite kind of version of who Miss Piggy is, which is like all the things are true, but it is grounded in a real, actual, honest vulnerability that doesn't feel so um, basically male-centric, which is something I was really struck by watching the, the Muppet movie that Siegel did, uh, you know, back in 2011 or whenever that was that came out, is that they they seem to flanderize her a little bit more, make her more irrational, unreasonable. And this, in Muppet Caper and in these minutes that we're talking about, it feels like you get a more, much more uh, humane version of who she is. And, and throughout the movie, I, I feel like she's just like a more easily, emotionally accessible, relatable uh, woman. Yeah, I think that's right. And we've, I mean, we've talked about that over and over again in this, like this, like, like you say, if Piggy's one of your favorite characters, there's never been a better version of her than, there, than mm-hmm. the one in this movie. She's, she's just delightful. Yeah. And she can still be like, like later in the movie, she can still be an action hero when she needs to be, but she's, it's, it's not the version of her that's just getting mad and karate chopping people every five minutes. Right. Right. That's another thing is I I don't think she, well, no I know she doesn't karate chop anyone in this movie I guess that she doesn't karate chop Nikki at the end I guess uh, maybe maybe she does I don't know I don't we'll get don't, there well I guess I guess we'll see we'll find out yeah yeah but so speaking of of Piggy being appealing Marla one of the models slides up to Nikki and says I don't know why you love her like you do and Nikki responds I don't know why I just do. Now, when I was a kid, I thought that was just funny because it rhymes and like they're saying the same thing. Right. But this is actually a reference to a song called I Don't Know Why I Just Do, which has been recorded by Frank Sinatra and Kate Smith. And 
the Andrews sisters and a ton of other people. And Russ Colombo, Dean Martin. Right. But well, and actually speaking of Dean Martin, if you Google that song, the first YouTube link is Dean Martin's version. And I would highly recommend watching the video because it is a slideshow that inexplicably features Seth and Summer from the OC, Catherine Heigl and Gerard Butler in The Ugly Truth, and a Rubik's Cube with a picture of Kristen Stewart Stewart and Robert Pattinson in Twilight. (laughs) It's because all of those people, they don't know why they love each other, but they do. That's the thing. It's it's very on point. Someone put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, this um, is one of those references that gets lost to history where... Sometimes we worry like there's a, a modern pop culture reference and a, a new Muppet thing. And it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Well, people in 20 years really understand this reference, but you don't have to understand every reference. Sometimes like this, you just kind of, you just kind of hear them and absorb them and, and move past them. Yeah. Well, and I think it really, like we talked earlier about how the models don't really get that much to do, but I think Erica career is really great there. Like she just like her, like she has these huge eyes they look almost Muppety as she delivers this dumb setup for like a dumb joke in this stage whisper, you know? And then while Nikki delivers the punchline, she starts inspecting her nails because she's already bored. <laughs> like, yeah. I think she's really good here. And like, when we haven't really seen her do anything yet. Yeah. So it's a nice surprise that one of them gets to be funny. She was the one of the three models with the most acting, acting experience outside this movie, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that maybe that's why they gave her the, <laughs> the scene with the most heavy lifting. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and speaking of which, though, right after this, she tells Nikki that the cops are starting to ask questions. And that's the first we've heard of that, right? Like, Yeah. We don't know, like, which I guess is like efficient screenwriting on one hand, but it also seems like something that's going to come up again and then never does. We never see the cops asking anybody questions. Right. Or until the like until they're arrested, we never see the cops. Yeah. I just assumed there was no police in the Muppet universe. <laughs> yeah, except for uh, Fozzie was bare on patrol in the Muppet show. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I yeah, guess in the Muppet movie universe. So, yeah, I just don't yeah. remember. I well, mean, and, and maybe that's an interesting territory for them to explore whatever the next one is, is like police brutality from like a Muppet <laughs> perspective. I think that'd be a nice thing for them to tackle. Yeah, I think that would go... Really well. It would be mm-hmm. an interesting challenge. Like, where's the threshold between where slapstick Muppet comedy turns from comedy to actually feeling really sorry for a Muppet getting beaten up? Well, I think they oh, did. I always get sorry. I'm always sorry for a Muppet getting beaten up. Even when they, like, <laughs> toss them from the bus in the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh. Yeah, oh. yeah. well, and, yeah, and this, like, this movie, too, like, they're out in the real world. So some of that stuff feels a lot more real, you know? If, I guess so. If, if Gonzo falls from the rafters in the Muppet theater or whatever, who cares? But if Gonzo is going to get run over by a taxi cab and mangled to death, that feels more real. Different proposition altogether. Yeah. And so then Nikki tells the models to do their job when he gives the signal. And then this is my favorite Charles Grodin moment in these minutes that we saw today. He looks to the heavens and says, forgive me, Miss Piggy. And then he does this like sorrowful little squeak. He just goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so conflicted. <laughs> is y'all's it's, primary like Grodin entry point Beethoven, like most people around our age? Yeah, for me, it sure was. Well, I had seen this before I saw Beethoven, but I, I guess oh, it was okay. just these two things for me for a really long time. Yeah. 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 But you you were also a little older when Beethoven came out, right? You were 11 or something, 19, uh, 1991. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I definitely saw Beethoven in the theater. But sure. Yeah, I had I was already familiar with him in this one. Right. Although, um, speaking of Beethoven, I don't think we've ever talked on the show about the fact that Charles Grodin is 26 years older than Bonnie Hunt, who plays his wife in that movie. Yeah. That's oh my weird. god. He was 57 and she was 31 when that movie came out. Yeah, but Bonnie Hunt's one of those where it's like she's been 39 for 30 years, you know? Right. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that Groden reads like he's 57 in that movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> no not really. So. Yeah, I mean, you say it and it sounds surprising. It's not like, oh, yeah, I can see it now. It's like, what? Oh, mm-hmm. gross, you know? Yeah. But anyways, he's great here. Bonnie Hunt would be great with the Muppets. She's probably been on Sesame Street, right? Uh, I don't know. I, they're, Muppets... Uh, appeared on her short-lived daytime talk show, but I can't think of any other time she's worked with them. Oh, that makes sense. Huh. So, next Muppet thing. Bonnie Hunt. <laughs> Call her up. I mean, the world's been waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, so then, we shift to Kermit and Fozzie in the crowd at the fashion show, where Fozzie asks, am I dressed right for this? You guys... He's just wearing a necktie. <laughs> He's wearing what he always wears. But he doesn't even have his hat on. Gosh, I found the jokes in this movie to be so funny altogether. <laughs> like the running bit of them being twins or thinking that Kermit's a bear on the on the bench. Like, I, man, I just, you forget how solidly built and constructed these movies are. But they're so, so good with just like, and, and good jokes will buy you so much goodwill, which like, these movies are basically just little like sardine cans of joke dispensing machinery. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's right. pretty wonderful to behold. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if this is sort of acknowledging the fact that Fozzie is still naked, like he always is, while Kermit is wearing this uh, fancy suit. You think you think Fozzie feels self conscious about that? Yeah, like he looked over and noticed. That, oh, wait a minute, Kermit's wearing clothes. Should I be wearing clothes? Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I don't know that they make clothes in Fozzie's... I mean, we've seen him in clothes before, I guess. Occasionally. He's such an oddly shaped puppet, you know? He is. <laughs> like, he's very baggy. Yeah. It's like it's like seeing Cookie Monster in clothes or something. Like, it just doesn't yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, but, uh, so anyways, then we hear Lady Holiday, who is positively dripping with class and glamour, and she starts announcing the fashion show and says, and now, without further ado... Roses, hyacinths, lilacs, and bluebells make up our first fashion bouquet. Mm-hmm. I love the way she says everything. In this. Diana Rigg is so good in this scene. Like, there's no reason why just these these shots of the fashion show needed to be entertaining because it's all just setting up what's about to happen. But yeah, Diana Rigg really sells it. Yeah. She did not need to be as invested in this scene, especially, which, like you say, like it's whatever. And she's just she she is devouring these lines. Yes. She is feasting on them. <laughs> it's her inflections, it's, her facial expressions. It's all great. It's so great. Um, did did either of you have any particular favorite lines from her here? I mean, I just said my one. No, pretty much everything she does, she makes not a snack out of it, but a meal out of it. Uh, and man, we stand a queen. Oh, it man, took me yeah. a second to realize it was uh, Lady Oleana from Game of Thrones. Obviously. Oh sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, whereas like when I, I I mean I haven't seen much Game of Thrones, but like when I heard she was on it, it was just like yes, Diana Rigg is back, Riggasance, it's gonna happen, you know. Uh, I like that Carla is capricious Carla, and then Darla is delicious Darla. Um, <laughs> I guess she didn't get around to she didn't get far enough to giving Marla an alliterative name, did she? Right. 
So I, she I could have been malicious, been Marla. Like, well, that, that's the one that fits, but yeah, I, I don't see. <laughs> well, you guys, I mean, it could also be marvelous Marla. Like, it's hey, probably marvelous Mrs. Marla. <laughs> marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Marla. There you go. Marvelous oh, Marla. I, I assume um, you're about but, to uh, bring up the next uh, joke that happens. I, I was going to talk about Gonzo being a creep. Oh next. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so Kevin, you you brought this up earlier. Do you want to do you want to talk about Gonzo's creepy behavior here? I mean, we all saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this summer, and it feels like uh, Gonzo is carrying on the legacy of a Tarantino in this sense of just taking pictures of women's feet and knees at every turn, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, I forgot how much of a freak he was <laughs> until yeah. watching this well, and he does it a couple of t- like when he when we first see the models in the elevator, Gonzo's like hubba hubba and takes a picture of them. But this moment is so weird, and I don't even uh, I don't know. Would in in 1981 would this have played as a joke that a woman crosses her legs behind Gonzo and Gonzo immediately whips around to take a picture? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't I even. Mean, <laughs> what's the joke? Gonzo is horny. Yeah, I mean, yes, the, yes, the joke is Gonzo is horny. But here's yeah. the thing. Would it be funnier if there was inexplicably a chicken in the crowd? <laughs> and that's who uh, yes. took a picture of. Yes, that would be funnier. <sighs> I guess it would even be funnier if it was some kind of Muppet creature crossing her legs. I don't know. Sure, yeah. Although we don't we don't really see them out, out in the wild, outside of the Happiness Hotel. That's true, yeah. Right? We, we don't encounter Muppets. I guess Piggy is the only one who doesn't stay there. Yeah. But we also you know. don't see this woman's face, so maybe she has like a, a chicken head, or yes, knows. Ryan, maybe she has a chicken head. Maybe she does. I'm going to Photoshop that later. Hey, yeah, no, I'm open <laughs> to the possibility. We'll never know. It's another what if. Sure, um, but then they they double down on the creepiness because we cut to Statler and Waldorf, who talk about how um, pretty nice lines, yeah, and the clothes aren't bad either. Like, yeah, they're super horny for sure. Uh, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, this is. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, definitely a product of the time. Yeah, but like, I feel like Gonzo should be better than two horny old men, you know? And he's not. He's the same. Oh, he's absolutely not. Statler and Waldorf's lines at least feel like an actual joke. Although I wouldn't necessarily expect uh, expect Statler to know enough fashion terminology to say pretty nice lines. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You, you don't know what Stetler does when he's at home. <laughs> I guess not. Anything he can to avoid uh, hanging out with his wife, Astoria. <laughs> Wait, no, that's uh, Waldorf. Astoria's Waldorf's wife, man. Oops. Yeah, it was still it. good. It was still good. <laughs> don't don't be ashamed of that one. Sorry, Astoria. Oh man. All right, but you, you know who's not a creep? You know who is better than Stetler and Waldorf? Tell us, Fozzie and Kermit. Yay. Because they just talk about the clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're focusing on what matters here. Yeah, Fozzie says, pretty good looking duds. And then Kermit says his best line in this entire movie. (laughs) Which is, yeah, well, I found the white pleated collar alluring, but I was rather taken aback by the flutter of go days. Yeah, that was was astute of him. (laughs) It was, that's true. Were you... Are you familiar with this word "godays" from anywhere else other than this movie? I'm certainly Me? not. No, I mean I had to look it up today to yeah. find out what it even means. I've never Me even. I've and always laughed. I think the line is hilarious, but right, exactly. And I had to try three or four different ways of spelling it before I actually was able to successfully look it up. 
So yeah, yeah, it's it's from the French, and a godet is an inset of cloth placed in a seam to give fullness, as at the bottom of a skirt. And Kermit loves them. He's taken him. Well, he's taken aback. He's shocked. He's just like, but uh, no, I think the straightforward way that Jim Henson delivers that line is what makes it so good. Yeah, like it's just, and of course, then Fozzie just goes. <laughs> yeah, there there are a few <laughs> moments is- in Muppet history where where Kermit has that kind of sort of deadpan delivery and it's hilarious every time yeah well and i also like the idea that like his girlfriend works for a fashion designer so he's been taking time to study up Uh, learn the terms you know he he bought fashion for dummies yeah that seems like kermit right he's a good boyfriend sure he would be invested he would want to care he would do the work and he would try to be specific he's a good man yeah sure is he sure is um and then we close here. We end these minutes with, with Lady Holiday getting the last words, which is that she says another extremely flowery, fancy Nancy type of line. And, and it ends with forming a teeny weeny hat, <laughs> which is so good. It's so good. And she like <laughs> was t- talking about her eating the scenery, like, or like devouring the lines. I mean, that one. Oh man. Diana Rigg looks so happy to be saying that. Yes. She's so delighted by it. I mean, you would be proud, too, if you designed this clothing yourself, and now you get to reveal it to the world. I sure would. Including the teeny weeny hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so now that, I, if, yeah, that that, if I had a part where I had that line, I would want that them to play that when I died, like in the in memoriam. <laughs> the teeny, teeny weeny hat line. That would rock. Sure, yeah. Um, so that brings us down to the end of these minutes. Um, anything else? you wanted to talk about here before we close Kevin I'll start with you no I think we covered it thoroughly we we looked at it from every angle possible we broke down the performances best lines best looks I, I I'm really proud of the job we did here today friend <laughs> all right Ryan anything to add uh, I have three brief items from the July 22nd 1980 draft of the screenplay one of them is a great example of how just cutting a few lines can really just help the movie move along better. Because uh, in the draft, after Marla says they have to uh, go with their plan to frame Miss Piggy because the cops are starting to ask questions, after that, Carla says, and uh, Lady Holiday is getting suspicious, and then Darla says, and those twins are always nosing around. And then Marla says, and that thing is always taking pictures. Which, you know, it's not really funny, and it would just kind of make the scene drag on, so good idea to cut those lines right uh and then yeah, that was unnecessary yeah and then uh in the draft before lady holiday starts announcing the models nikki goes on stage to introduce lady holiday uh there's one funny bit where he tells everyone his name and he waits for applause but nobody applauds but otherwise that was unnecessary because it's better to just jump in with lady holiday uh announcing the clothing and then uh, in the draft, after Carla walks the runway and Fozzie says, uh, good looking duds, Kermit's line is, well, I like the flocked silk waistlet, but the Trump de loyal, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this word, but the Trump de loyal trim is a little jarring, which is somehow not as funny as the flutter of Godet's. Yeah, although, yeah, they, again, maybe they punched that. Yeah. Again, though, I don't know if the Flutter of Days line is that funny on paper either, y- you right. know? 
Like it's right. just it's so much. Oh man, Jim guys, Jim Henson was good at his job. Yeah, He's very good. Also, I think flocked silk waistlet is a little hard to say. Yeah, you want to just get the comedy out as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah. That, I I wonder if that isn't what happened. That yeah, like Jim tried it and they were like, uh, uh-uh, we got to change it. Right. So yeah. Anyways, that brings us down to the end of these minutes. So Kevin, we like to ask our guests, "What's your history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it?" Oh and- yeah. So I uh, I saw it when I was a kid, like a long, long time ago. Rented it on DVD, probably when I was like twelve or thirteen. Hadn't seen it since then. Um, and as far as like where I would rank it amongst the other Muppet movies, I weirdly have a real soft spot for the 2011 Muppet movie. But I I really appreciate this one. This might be my favorite of this era. So I'm going to put it at number two. Yeah. After the 2011? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I I don't think that that's weird. Like a lot of people really love that movie, you know. <laughs> I think people tend to sort of like depending on when they, I guess depending on which ones they encountered in childhood, those tend to be the ones they rank highest. So that that is an interesting ranking to have a newer one at number one and an older one at number two. But yeah, I can respect that. Yeah, well, I guess I just had like a lot of nostalgia for the moment when I saw the 2011 one. I just have such a such a great uh, memory of like the time I was at, you know, in life and, and the friends I saw with. So hmm. yeah, I've, I've no choice but to stand. Yeah. That's nice. Sure. Awesome. Well, maybe you can come back on in five years or whenever we get to that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe so. That'd be great. All right. Um, so that brings us down to the end for today. Listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you can find us. Our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Our logo is by Morgan Davy. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Morgan. You can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And Kevin, where can our listeners find you online? Oh, you can find me at Kevin Teaport everywhere and listen to the podcast Good Christian Fun. Or if you get podcasts, sometimes we talk about Muppet stuff, weirdly. Uh, so there's some overlap of interest here. Yeah, well, and... I mean, like we talked about off Mike, Ryan and I are both huge fans of that podcast. So yes. Oh, thank you very much guys. That's very I highly recommended. Yeah. All right. So with that, we are done and low oh, listeners. If you're so inclined, give us a positive review, wherever you review your podcast and tell all your friends to listen to the show and join us again next week for another episode of moving right along. Goodbye. Bye.